Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey, Donna, how's it going? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very excited for today. (laughs) It's our very first face-to-face podcast, so Mm -hmm. we are very excited to have you as our first guest. We've both got pants on and makeup. Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. I was like, it's not like shorts from no. down here. No, you're you, fully you, dressed. No, exactly. I have shoes on today, so that's good. Um, so, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field that the way you did? Yeah. So, I've been working as a private practice psychologist for about 20 years now. Um, it sounds a long time. I was wondering <laughs> when it got to that decade of 10, and now I just feel like now I'm getting old, but you know, yeah. 20. Yeah. <laughs> Um, always wanted to work in this field, always mm-hmm. wanted to be in the health field. Originally, it was going to be a nurse and then swapped over to psychology pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working in this field, you know, I've I, I, I worked in the prison system. I've worked in the family system mm-hmm. right from the start and then jumped into the private practice. And along my own life journey mm-hmm. um, with separation and divorce and having children, I ended up in the family kind of separation, family court system. Mm-hmm. And I've been in that for probably about 15 years now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work is about families and it's trying to get people to be able to kind of divorce and separate, you know, as successfully as possible Mm -hmm. and with the least emotional impacts, you know, for the family unit and especially on the kids. Yes. So I get to work in that other side. I get to work in the kind of the horrible, gritty family court side and you really don't want to ever be in that side <laughs> after separation and divorce because that's kind of like the, the you know, that's the that's the hole where you just get sucked in and it's really hard to recover from that. So, yeah. you know, my job and what I love to do now is help people not go there and, okay. you know, be happy in their future lives, yeah. you know. Well, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, um, so why... What got you into changing from being a nurse to going more into the psychology yeah. field? I think originally I was that little girl who always said, like, I'm going to be a nurse. Um, mm-hmm. I had a few cousins that all went down the nursing path and they mm-hmm. were a bit older than me. So I was looking up to, you know, those those cousins who I absolutely loved. And I went to, to uni um, to do nursing, obviously. And I just remember the first two years was not hands-on. It wasn't practical. Mm -hmm. And I think I did more in my year 10, um, you know, work experience in a little country hospital. (laughs) Luckily, the system's changed now. But in the second year, I walked into a lab and I was told, you know, for the next four weeks, we're going to learn how to wash our hands. And I walked out and (laughs) just went, no, I'm not. (laughs) Is it seriously going to be about another year before I get to help someone and even, you know, see or touch a patient? So. No, I, I kind of thought, you know, there was this psychology thing that had been put into my mind from a, a girlfriend in, at school. And mm-hmm. I still remember her making this comment about she was going to be a psychologist and remembering, oh, wow, that sounds interesting, but I was going to be a nurse. 
So, you know, it was kind of a little bit of, well, this isn't working for me. What do I want to do? And I remembered that conversation and looked into it and, yeah, the rest is history. 20 years later, you're helping so many people. 20 years later, yeah, yeah, no regrets. Absolutely love what I do. Yeah, well, that's that's incredible. That's amazing you found it that early in life as well and found something that you loved more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to sort of break the ice, I mean, mm-hmm. I've broken the ice last 20 minutes ago, <laughs> but like to break the ice with the audience, yep. um, just going to share sort of a little game, like get to know you. Mm-hmm. So it's just the first thing that sort of comes to mind when I give you a list. Yep. Yep. So the first one is book. Mm-hmm. So first thing that comes to mind is we were talking about uni is that uni ruined my reading. <laughs> Like all of a sudden you can't read for joy, right? Yeah. Um, but no, probably before all of that, I loved the true crime kind of stuff. I was okay. really reading about all the serial killers. And then I loved a bit of the Bryce Courtney as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> bit of a difference. But <laughs> no, it's very different, but it's good variations. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How about movie? So I'm a little bit of still a Disney nut and, you know, good old Lion King is up there for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes when you just need a little bit of that empowerment to get you through the day or or even, you know, a tough week, you know, throw on Disney's greatest hits. There yeah. is something really powerful about some of those songs. It just makes you kind of, you know, feel some some good energy. Yeah, exactly. I found yep. Mulan was the, still my yes. favourite absolute, like the one that I can die hard fan. Yep. Like, yep. It's the first one that doesn't have a white person playing yeah. in it too. Uh-huh. So it's like variations of people. Yeah. And the way Disney's even evolving, I just yeah. think, you know, they're really on the mark and those movies coming through now and the messages that they are, you know, portraying, they listened. Yeah. And they listened to what they were portraying. They listened to the world kind of going, hey, you know, maybe we need to change that up. And they've done that. So, yeah, exactly. And always with just power and, you know, grace really. So Yeah. Big yeah. fans of Disney right yeah. here. You yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> How about podcasts? So podcasts, I guess, again, was um, that kind of true crime. So Mm -hmm. really excited. I I was probably one of the original with the serial podcast, which, you know, um, funnily, I think he just got released. Like the the main person that they did a podcast on, the guy, he just got released, I think, this week. Yeah. After 20 years, I think, in prison of being, um, you know, in there for maybe no reason. Yeah. Um, So loved all of that. Loved the teacher's pet, you know. Yeah. And then probably for the funny ones, you know, I'm a bit of a Hamish and Andy fan as well so oh, yeah. you know they're the good ones when we're driving the true Aussie true yeah, Aussie ones just something yeah. to kind of just that silliness I've got a little bit of that warp sense of humor so yeah you know. the, the humor is always there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about a famous role model so mm, I think it I think at the moment right it's really kind of topical of just even, you know, the, the, the queen that we've just lost. And yeah. and I think not because, you know, of the royalty as much as, you know, I've, I, as you can see, I do like a little bit of sparkles and bling. So yeah. I would have loved to have had maybe some of the crowns. But I think just her work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with my parents having really, really strong work ethic. I was working since I was about eight years old in, you know, family businesses. Mm-hmm. So probably those kind of people. So, you know, my parents and then watching her and thinking that, you know, a few days before she passed on, she was still working and doing little bits and doing it again with just such um, grace and just being so respectful. So I think, you know, those people out there that Mm -hmm. even though she was in the limelight, I feel like she was in the limelight because of who she was, not because she needed to be. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like she was definitely someone that, I mean, I think people, a lot of people forget that she is a mother she Mm -hmm. is a grandmother she Mm -hmm. is she's not just a queen like when we lost her people were angry and I Mm. get that but Mm. like she was a mother and Mm. all of that stuff as well she was a person 
Yeah. And all of those little, um, I don't know if you've seen some on the socials at the moment that are popping up that are kind of like from those private little libraries of the little clips of her with, you know, the grandkids and with her her great-grandkids and the dogs. And, yeah, I'm just loving seeing all of that, especially for that family unit, right? Yeah, exactly. And she also had struggles in her family unit. Yeah, no, sure. (laughs) kind of tried to deal with them as best as she could as well. Yeah, she dealt with them so well, as as a queen would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, How about a course that you've completed? Um, so courses again, like, gosh, uni, (laughs) (laughs) it kind of takes a lot of the joy out. Interesting though. Mm -hmm. Um, I am actually doing a course at the moment in, um, psychedelics. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Obviously not legalized yet, probably a few years off, but really interesting just to be seeing a lot of the research Mm -hmm. and learning a little bit. You know, I, I think I fell asleep in neuropsych in my training because Mm -hmm. it wasn't what I really wanted to know about Mm -hmm. having to get my brain active again, to learn a lot about the neuropsych and, and what happens with these medicine sessions is, yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm excited for the future with psychology mm-hmm. and especially for our war vets and people who have gone through major, major, you know, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, the research is just looking brilliant for it. So, um, yeah. yeah, so that's that's my latest kind of obsession, I guess. <laughs> I think it would be really cool to do like a post-COVID kind of take on it yeah. as well. Like, oh. I mean, there are a lot of, re- there could be a lot of research in mm-hmm. that area, which is Pretty yeah. <laughs> and to, to get into the course, we, we did have to have interview processes, mm-hmm. you know, to be accepted into the course. And one of my questions, um, almost to kind of link it to this was, well, where do you see this going in the future? And I actually said, look, again, full respect for a lot of the, you know, the, the big kind of, um, the big ticket items, the war vets and everything. Mm. But I said, you know, I do work in this family field And the trauma that people do suffer if they go through a separation or a divorce that goes poorly, Mm -hmm. you know, they also do lose everything and they do have PTSD symptoms and major depressive, you know, disorders afterwards. Yeah. So I said, I'll actually be really interested to take this hopefully into that field in the future as well for the the ones that aren't so lucky to kind of get through it unscathed to be able to give them a little bit of a a release as well and help them move on with their lives as well. So, yeah, really interested for the future with all of that. Wow, that would be incredible actually. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So going into the topic that Mm -hmm. we're here for today, um, what do you think defines a family, Mm -hmm. for example? So it's it's changed, hasn't it? Yes. (laughs) And I kind of, when we were, when I was thinking about this today and, you know, the, the concept and the idea of family, it really takes it back to how I think protective that, protected that family unit was, you mm-hmm. know, and it wasn't even maybe just a few decades ago, you know, the family dinners, the family name, you know, um, even just the genders of who was, you know, classified in that family. Mm-hmm. I think we've really got to look at the change that's happened in such a short period of time yeah. and kind of get excited by that. Um, to me, the family unit, you know, I think just evolves. And I think we we grow into or we come into our family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that being the people around us, our parents and our, <clears throat> our siblings and things like that. But then as we get older, I think we develop our family around us. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have, mm-hmm. you know, your, your family of origin or your family of birth and then maybe have your extended family um, and then yep. your friendship family. Yep. And I define family as your people. Mm-hmm. And they're your people who you can turn to at any point in time. And mm-hmm. they're people who will just hold space for you and not be judgmental. 
And if that, you know, can be your immediate family, then look, it's probably a lot easier <laughs> if you can reach out and kind of, you know, call your mum or your dad. Yep. But some people don't have the luxury of that. So I think as long as you can create that sense around you and the, and that's and your people around you, mm-hmm. then you get to define them as your family. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how do you think divorce affects the family system and the family, mm-hmm. the whole process of and definition that you've described as family? Yeah. How do you think of divorce affects that? I think the negative way to look at divorce, and it's almost like, you know, it's such a negative word, isn't it Mm -hmm. now as well, um, is really like divorce is linked so much to the end or or really to to death of something, right? Yeah. And I think unfortunately so many people see then divorce as it is the end of a family unit or a family structure Mm -hmm. instead of maybe seeing that divorce means that that particular family structure or unit has to evolve and change. Yeah. And it's not going to be the same. And there definitely is going to be the end of a lot of, you know, the life as you knew it and as your kids knew it Mm -hmm. and, you know, as your extended family knew it. But I really hope that we start changing a little bit in the future to, yeah, not see it as negative as I Mm -hmm. think we view it now. Yeah. Mm. And why do you think it's viewed as such a negative point? Mm Because I know like there's a lot of reasons that a divorce or a separation could be, could occur. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we've taken it as such a negative perspective on it? Yeah, I think this comes down ultimately to human behaviour. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, you might be able to walk out of your room today and not bother about making your bed or, you know, doing the dishwasher, mm-hmm. um, we do all have a degree of perfectionist in us. Mm-hmm. And we also have a way or a script that we want the world to look like and our world and our household and our life to look like. And unfortunately, when something's out of our control, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the times maybe separation or divorce wasn't in the plan and it wasn't in the script. And, you know, ideally, I really wish as humans, we could kind of say, hey, you know, that was a great five years, (laughs) 10 years. You were my person, you know, in my 20s or in my 30s. But hey, you know, we're not, this isn't really kind of working for me anymore. I think that we've mm-hmm. just grown as different people. Um, you know, can we just have a conversation about that? Yeah. But instead, because we've got this sense of somebody always is going to not, will not say that they really were aware of it. There's usually one person who knows that they want to get separated and divorced. Mm-hmm. And the other one who says that they don't. I don't overly believe that because I think a lot of the times it hasn't been a happy relationship. Yeah. But somebody wants to normally stay. Mm-hmm. So when we come in and there has to be this degree of, um, you know, like someone losing, <laughs> mm-hmm. someone having to do something that they don't want, yeah. anger kicks in with a grief and loss cycle. We know that. Yeah. And unfortunately, the anger is that first emotion that just highlight, highlights everything and takes over. Yeah. So instead of being able to have that nice conversation of, hey, it's been a great, you know, 10 years, and yeah. I know it can't be that easy, yeah. um, but it turns into the whole, like, you've hurt me now mm-hmm. and I'm upset by this and now someone's going to pay a lot of the times and that's yeah. where that anger and just the nastiness can come in very quickly. Yeah. Do you think that it's such a, it's a more common thing than it used to be now? Like you hear about celebrities getting divorced every like five minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Kim Kardashian, her marriage lasted, what, like eight days? Yeah. And then why do you think it's such a common occurrence now than it was like 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I think, I 
I don't want to say people don't try, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm kind of going to say people don't try. <laughs> okay. Um, I think back then you just had to kind of stick with it a little bit more and again, rightly or wrongly. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to kind of just talk this very general in, in kind of just unhappy relationships, you know, yeah. I don't want to really go down the path of, you know, kind of those abusive, nasty relationships when we're talking yeah. about this. I think, um, you know, people had to, I think they, there wasn't, it wasn't as easy to kind of, you know, get information maybe about separation or divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, we possibly had just a lot more people financially that, you know, couldn't take those risks of, you know, of, of running the, the two households. Yeah. We've got to think in the, in the past as well, we had very much that one parent kind of working model, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that I think was very much underlying why people stayed. Um, I think these days, you know, it is easy if I have a couple of fights with somebody, we are very much about instant gratification and about getting our needs met. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes as great as that is, and it's very empowering, you know, Mm -hmm. do people sometimes just sit in the discomfort of emotions? Mm -hmm. And I find in my work in all the fields, even outside of the separation and the grief and loss side, that not many humans like to sit in discomfort of emotions. Yeah. So if you're annoying me or we're just having a couple of fights, I just feel like a lot more people now are like, it's done, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And the ease of being able to kind of maybe, you know, find somebody else or quickly jump on an app when you've had, you know, yeah. a fight with someone, it's it's instant gratification is is there as well. So Yeah, I think the try part is the big, big thing. I mean, you hear about relationships where it's like, oh, we just didn't get along. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has something to do with people rushing into marriage as well? That could be like a huge factor in the Mm -hmm. reason that they're getting divorced so quickly. Yeah. Look, if we look at the stats on marriages, I think, you know, they're still kind of around that, what, 48s to 49s, you know, and I think think the percentage hasn't really changed a lot, but I think the amount of time people are in a relationship has Mm -hmm. changed Mm -hmm. or in their marriage has changed. There's... um, you know, the, and it's always, you know, you'll always have those cases that people meet and they're each other's person and, you know, they happily fall in love and stay together forever. Yep. And, and we celebrate those stories, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're the ones on the media, you know, 75 years together, men yeah. at school, you know. Ultimately, there's a process for relationships mm-hmm. and there is time for the brain. And again, neuropsych is not my, my top level, mm-hmm. um, but there is processes that the brain goes through when you meet a partner. Mm-hmm. And in those first, you know, some some will say that that process can last kind of, you know, 12 to 18 months. I find with my clients, it's more around six to 12 months. Okay. <laughs> so if you're getting 18 to two years, like you're doing really, really well. Yep, so, yeah. But basically in those early days, you know, we are really operating off that lust and kind of that, that biology need to procreate, right? Mm-hmm. So everything you do is kind of cute to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and nothing really bugs me or annoys me. Mm-hmm. So it's very common for couples in that moment to feel that real. And they talk about, you know, like the love bubble, you know, we're in our little bubble and no one can upset us or harm us. And that's there. And all of us who have ever been in a relationship, like we love that stage. Like it would would be great. We would get no work done and, you know, (laughs) wouldn't be productive. But that stage is brilliant. But that stage does come to an end. Okay. And whether that's in the six months or the 18 months or mm-hmm. the two years, that stage comes to an end. And we're left then with our brain functioning kind of back to our, our normal selves. Yeah. And then sometimes those things that you're doing aren't so cute mm-hmm. and they are a little bit annoying. But because we've been in our love bubble, we haven't learned how to communicate with each other. Yeah. And we haven't had the difficult conversations. So all of a sudden, again, conflict might occur. And as I said before, us 
humans avoid emotions and mm-hmm. don't like conflict. Yep. So we quickly kind of, you know, abort that mm-hmm. and then, you know, it all just lays under the surface and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, you're not my person <laughs> pretty <Yep>. quickly. <laughs> So, you know, I get a lot of couples to say in those early stages, have those difficult conversations, even in your love bubble of how are you going to fight? Like what yeah. happens when you annoy me? Like yeah. I need to slam a door and get out of here yeah, and yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone and come find me in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, that's the, I think that first three months of a relationship is always really scary as well because you get to see the person when they're trying to win you. Yeah. And then when they've won you, when they know that they've gotten you, they don't mm-hmm. have to do the normal things that they would do to get you. Yeah. yeah. And then it becomes so comfortable in a way that neither one, everyone's just kind of like, okay, you do your thing, I do my thing. Mm-hmm. But one, their negative traits sort of come in. Like they're very needy. They're very constantly needing needing you there. Yeah. They can't be around anyone else but you. So yeah. it's kind of like that's the part of relationships that is really, really scary mm-hmm. for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How do you, why do you think, has social media played a huge part in Mm -hmm. the reason for divorce now than it was in its entirety in the past? Look, I think, again, social media gets a really bad rap because, again, I think it's instantaneous. We can grab our phone right now and you and I can be scrolling, you know, everything that we want to look at. Yeah. But we've got to remember even in, you know, the Stone Ages, you know, a decade ago, (laughs) (laughs) there still was magazines and there still was the newspaper Mm -hmm. and radio, right? So we still were hearing all of this this information back Mm -hmm. then. I just think, again, maybe now because we've just got the whole world is available to us, you know, maybe, I mean, back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, even on the papers, it was probably, you know, US, UK and Australia. You know, there Mm -hmm. wasn't many other stories we were hearing from. Um, so I think definitely there's there's a lot more visual out there. Mm-hmm. And again, that probably goes into a little bit more of that instant gratification. Yep. You know, there's these pictures out there more so in my face all the time mm-hmm. that there might be a better world and there might be a better person or, hey, I, I don't look as happy as that celebrity. Yep. Is that because I don't have the same money, the same bag, or have I got the wrong relationship? Yeah. You know, and we are flooded with, you know, the imagery of, perfect people, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. all of a sudden, again, it might be that now we're looking at our our partners a little bit more critical yeah. because we're looking at ourselves probably more critical as well, but it is in our face a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I think on that side, it doesn't help with people's mental health. Yes. And then the mental health side possibly then doesn't help with the relationships, if yeah. that sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. definitely makes sense. So what exactly is a happy family post divorce Mm -hmm. and what would that picture kind of look like? Yeah. So a happy family post-divorce is respect and understanding Mm -hmm. that the relationship has ended. Okay. (laughs) And as simple as that sounds, that can be a complicated step. (laughs) Uh Um, And then it's understanding that the individual, you know, parents, partners will now make their own life decisions, Mm -hmm. which might not be then what their ex (laughs) would have would like them to make. Okay. And when that comes to family units, you know, that can be really, really complicated when it comes to, hey, I always thought seven o'clock was a little bit early for Mm -hmm. the kids' bedtimes. Mm -hmm. Now that they're in my care, I'm going to let them stay up till eight o'clock. Okay. Such a simple thing that we can talk about here. Yeah. But that without the respect and the understanding that we're both still good people 
And if we make now different life decisions, it doesn't mean we're bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. Those sort of concepts get blown out of the water and then can kind of go on to, you know, have a lot of consequences for that family unit. Mm -hmm. It's the understanding at the start that everybody is going to go through a period of a grief and loss cycle okay, and allowing the people to do that. Yeah. So sometimes I find that so many couples just rush into trying to be the perfect family unit mm-hmm. post-separation too soon. Yeah. Okay. And that can cause so many problems. Yeah. Okay. So how would you sort of, with separation of two individuals and then with kids involved, how would you go through finding yourselves and going through finding what your life, definition of your life is without that partner involved? Yeah. So anyone who's ever been through this will know that the most difficult part of a separation or divorce Mm -hmm. is sitting down with the children to tell them that this is what's about to happen for their worlds, right? Because, Mm -hmm. and a lot of kids will say, you know, this wasn't what we, we didn't get to decide on this. And even as someone who went through it myself, you know, I can be pretty non-emotional, but if you want to get tears out of me, like make me remember that time I had to tell my, you know, three and five-year-old that that was about to happen for them. Yeah. So that can be the most difficult part. But the thing that you need as an adult is you've got to remember you formed that relationship with that person, Mm -hmm. most of us, without having, you know, family units and also the responsibility of children. Yeah. And a lot of the times you do lose yourself a little bit in the family unit of Mm -hmm. who you are as an individual and, you know, as a a, a female, a male, whatever. Yeah. So when you now have time Mm -hmm. as a, a, a... a person, not a parent, and you've developed, you know, the schedule of time with with the other person of where the kids are going to be at certain points, you really have to take that time to rediscover what it's like to be an individual. Mm -hmm. And this is hard for a lot of people because they get the parent guilt, you know, and it doesn't matter what gender you are, the mummy guilt, the daddy guilt, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And the first few times, and for some people, quite a long period of time that you don't have the children in your care, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I often say to my clients, you know, those first couple of times, you will probably just sit on the couch and cry and miss them and, you know, watch some Netflix and and, and count the clock down. But in a few months time, you know, your partner's going to message you and and they're going to say, oh, hey, I know it's my weekend, but I've got something on, you know, can you, can you have the kids? And you're going to get frustrated by that because that's now your time. Yeah. And it's okay for that to turn back into your time because you need to be an individual now to get out there and live again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if it is the future of them finding somebody else or dating again, you know, you're not going to be carting your kids off to that first date. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. would recommend not. <laughs> So it's allowing yourself to have permission Mm -hmm. to enjoy your own time again and Mm -hmm. to learn what that feels like and not have the guilt about that because, you know, you had it at the start and you got into a relationship because you had that time. So give yourself that opportunity to do it again. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So what kind of misconceptions have you mostly encountered in divorced couples or Mm -hmm. families in relation to forming the happy family post divorce. Yeah. So probably what I said before, that you're going to be okay really, really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like if you've got kids, you have to co-parent perfectly from day one. Yeah. And it's just not possible. So how I kind of describe it with with my sort of my, my even court people or, or people going through this mm-hmm. is I kind of say, you know, the system that you have to do, the actual behaviours that you have to do uh, mm-hmm. post-separation is completely opposite to what your emotional hub or your mental health needs you to do. Yeah. 
So your mental health needs you to go through the grief and loss process. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you know, your ex is going to be the person that's put you in it, right? Mm -hmm. So best not to be around each other. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of simple. (laughs) So if you're looking after your mental health, I would love people to be able to kind of suck them up, put them over somewhere on an island with a cocktail, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, just let them be for even three months, six months and just process Mm -hmm. their emotions and process whatever they need to do and kind of get themselves happy and healthy again. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we can't do that. Yeah. And the system says in the first week, I need to have a conversation with you about what are we going to do with our children and what's our time schedule going to be and who's going to live in the house and how are we going to pay the bills? Mm-hmm. So we've got to have these really difficult conversations mm-hmm. while we're in the peak of our grief and loss system. Yes. Like that's not going to go wrong at all, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You imagine the throwing and the screaming and yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's just people need to understand that this process is difficult. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to the whole we don't really like emotions and we want to think that we can trick them and kind of hold them and block them all in and hold them down. Yep. You can't. Mm-hmm. They're going to come through and you need to find ways that you allow yourself that space and that time mm-hmm. while you're also having those conversations that I know need to happen mm-hmm. um, and giving yourself a bit of a break to sometimes say, hey, I can't have that conversation today. I'll yep. talk to you next week about it. Mm-hmm. And if that takes another three or four days to decide who gets the TV, then that's actually okay. Yeah. You know, so be assertive and taking your time Mm -hmm. and understanding what your emotions need within reason Mm -hmm. um, is one of the the key things that, you know, everyone misses. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? If like, for example, divorced couple, Mm -hmm. but they can't afford to live separately. Mm -hmm. How do you have that time? Like I can't even imagine how aggressive that family unit would be, even with the kids, Mm -hmm. kids there, knowing that you're still in the same house as the person that, I mean, you hold a grudge with or you're Mm -hmm. angry at, or for whatever reason, the divorce occurred. Yeah. You're still having to be in the same kitchen as them and survive with them. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Yeah. And really, really tough. These are the tough situations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even, you know, living it, not living together, but uh, right back at the start, we did a method for a short period of time where the kids stayed in the same place, but we moved in and out just so there was that familiarity for the kids. Yeah. That was still really emotionally difficult, you know, coming home and knowing that that other person had just been there Mm -hmm. and (laughs) all of a sudden touched your things, right? Not now the household things. It was now like my stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the families who do need to for, and sometimes it's a longer period of time now financially that these couples are needing to live together. The only way through that is again, it's having this conversation of what we both need Mm -hmm. and it's getting them to basically get into a schedule of time, even with the children straight away. Yeah. So just because you're both living in the same home, who is in charge of the care for the children on those particular days or those particular hours Mm -hmm. so that the person who's not can then just turn off, shut down, go for a drive, get out of there or even just sit in their room and kind of shut the door and be okay to not be okay for that period of time. Yeah. You know, that's one of the ways they can kind of get through it. And the other thing is, you know, you might be kind of stuck in the house because you can't financially get out of another house, but start using what we just talked about before, like start using your people around you Mm -hmm. and your family and your friends. And if that means you just need 24 hours or 48 hours to get out of there, you've got to get out of there. You have to be away from the source of pain (laughs) to recover. Yeah. 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 
Okay, so talking about new relationship post-divorce, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. how we know that finding a new person, you found that new person and mm -hmm. you're sort of in that, like what you call it before, mm -hmm. the little love bubble with that yep. person. Yeah. How do you still manage it with kids involved mm -hmm. and manage, okay, this person is now another parental figure or wanting to be a parental figure, wanting to be something in their kid, their kids' lives. Yeah. How do you have that conversation with the partner? Because I know like mm -hmm. we're watching it in movies and things. I've you see it all happening. It's like oh, a new person's come in, automatically been like a parental figure when yeah. the new family, new family unit is formed. Yeah. And the biological parent is just there. Like, how do I survive this? Mm -hmm. How do you have that? Is it as complicated as what you sort of see in um, indirectly in films or stuff like that, or is it? Can it be simple? I think it can be a lot simpler than mm -hmm. it gets because, look, the films, it's either perfect, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and they're all having barbecues together. Yeah. Or it's the evil step-parent that yes. comes along. Um, there's no set rules, right? This is It's always and people come in and they'll come in going, when can I date again? And, yeah, what do we do, you know, for the kids and how do we manage all of that? Mm -hmm. It's... And again, this sounds silly kind of saying it, but some people just don't do it. It is best if the kids don't meet every, you know, swipe person that, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. that you might go on yeah. that coffee date for. <laughs> um, might confuse them a little bit. And remember, they might not actually want their parents to kind of, you know, be with anybody else as well. So yeah. that's a whole other thing you've got to navigate. Yeah. My golden rules for clients is making sure firstly that you yourself have gone through your grief and loss process Okay. to make sure that you feel like you are ready. So, you know, ignore your friends telling you that it is great just to get out there and meet somebody straight away. Not mm -hmm. necessarily the best thing for the emotions. Maybe just go on a bit of a road trip instead. Yeah, yeah. Do something <laughs> a bit more healthier than, you know, picking up people. Yeah. Um, but after that, if you feel like you're through that and you are ready for this, mm -hmm. then again, this is this is this is just 20 years in the field, right? This is no <laughs> research behind all of this. Yeah. We really find the the three and six month rule works great for families. Mm -hmm. So the three month rule is that you meet that person and you, again, individually just get to hang out with them and date and do all of that stuff that you did in the past. Yeah. No kids involved. They know, obviously, that you've got kids. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. just get to be yourself and you just get to kind of, you know, date this person. As we get older, usually we kind of start figuring out who our people are a lot faster. Okay, yeah. <laughs> So three months is mm -hmm. quite a long time, especially if you're talking people like in their, you know, 40s or 50s, you know, they're yeah. kind of, they can normally get onto it pretty fast. Mm -hmm. If after three months it's all going great, then we find like that's a great time that you could introduce the kids to them mm -hmm. and start with really simple things. So this person does not come in as an authority figure, does not come in as a parent, mm -hmm. comes in very honestly that this is someone I'm dating. Stop saying the, this is mummy or daddy's friend. Like kids are onto that by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know that you don't hug and kiss your girlfriends or boyfriends like that. Yeah, yeah. So be honest with them. Mm -hmm. And then it's easy things. Hanging out for dinner at the house, you know, going to the park, all of those sort of things. Yeah. No sleepovers yet. Okay. At this time, always great if you've got that relationship with your ex-partner. As soon as the kids are going to know a new name and they're going to talk about a new name, mm -hmm. really, really positive and respectful if you can let your ex-partner know mm -hmm. what's going on. 
Okay. I've been seeing this new person. It's been a few months now. I'm, you don't have to get their permission. I'm letting you know I'm going to introduce them to the kids, you know, next weekend. Um, just so you know, this will be a name that the kids will start talking about, you know, any questions you've got, feel free. I'm happy to answer what I want to answer. Yep. Some people will also go to the point, especially if they're younger kids, of letting their ex-partners and their new partners after that period of time meet. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't have to be a five-course dinner. It -hmm. could just be at a changeover, just so they see the face of maybe the person who's going to be at the football game with their kids sometimes. Yeah. So if that all goes well up to six months, then from six months, I kind of say, whatever, whatever goes from that point. So now if it's kind of this person sleeping over, the kids are seeing them, you know, in the house a little bit more, um, you know, it seems to be okay from about this time. And the discipline stuff can kind of slowly come in. Mm -hmm. So I'm always about the parent who's, or the new person who's come in still has some authoritative rights because they're children and they might do the wrong thing when I'm away or not looking. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like they still have the right to say, hey, that's not the right thing to do. Or you've just been, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But the major parenting decision still needs to lie with the two parents in the family. Okay. So how, going back to that conversation between the new partner and the Mm ex-partner, when they're meeting, Mm -hmm. how much of a conversation should the Mm ex-partner have with the new partner? So very minimal. It really just needs to be like, I need to just see your face. I just want to know at that football game or, you know, my daughter's dancing, if, you know, someone else is there picking up a child, I just need to know who you are. Mm -hmm. So it really can be as simple as just a, you know, a shake hands if you want to, hello. um, And then, you know, that's it. It just needs to be really, really quick. Otherwise (laughs) for everyone, it gets very awkward (laughs) very quickly. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Okay. So going into child's reactions mm-hmm. to divorce and the sort of adjustment that happens. Yeah. What are some common reactions that children show yeah. in throughout the divorce? So their little grief and loss process kicks in as well. Yeah. Um, and as much as, you know, as a parent, again, this is a part that breaks our heart. Mm-hmm. We, we hate this. And, you know, you go find me one parent out there that was like, yes, I'm going to upset my child's life forever today <laughs> by divorcing from their parent. You know, it's, it's probably just the one thing we all agree on is, is really tough. The problem that we can do, though, sometimes, again, is nobody's okay in this situation. Mm-hmm. So when we're all not okay, sometimes we can kind of judge emotions that our kids have to be the same as what we're having. Yeah. You know, and we've got to be really aware that the child process, our children's process, is so different to what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And so they might have a lot of emotions. Um, you know, sometimes I think we try again as like, here's the ice cream, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to separate, but you get two Christmases. You know, I think we've got to yeah. get past all of this. We've got to be, you know, this is a horrible thing that's happening in your life as well. Mm-hmm. And you're actually allowed to feel emotions because of this. Yeah. And you're allowed to even be angry at mum and dad because we have changed your life and you're not happy about that. Mm-hmm. So I really think if you can have those difficult conversations but real conversations with your kids Mm. then you've got to put it out to what they need so some kids will get sad some kids will withdraw and you know want their night lights back on Um, they might not be able to concentrate at school they might want a couple of days off school you know there might be all of these things that they revert to and some will use it to their advantage so be careful of those (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's checking in and it's checking in with language for them what do you need What's yep. going on in your head and mm-hmm. listening to what they say and not assuming it's the same as what we're feeling. Because okay. they might come home one day sad and you're like, oh, my God, are you so sad because, like, you know, your dad moved out today? And they're like, no, I'm sad because I didn't 
get, you know, a red slushy, like with a, yeah, yeah. it's only blue. <laughs> so you've also got to remember that kids are very resilient yeah. and they do have a lot of their own life going on mm-hmm. and their whole world is not just about their parents separating. So check yeah. in on those things as well. Okay. Mm. So sort of keep with the normal, the normal reasons that a child could get upset as yeah. well, sort of. Yeah, how, yeah. Yeah, how would you sort of separate that with your own emotions because mm-hmm. as well you're, you're already going through yep. the grief process yep. how do you do you sh- can you show emotion to the child as mm-hmm. well show that you're sort of going through that or is it better to sort of be like okay I'm a parent I still have to be there for the child mm-hmm. yeah like a lot of us like I know from indirect experience I've seen like a lot of my friends when they go through a divorce or a separation they're they retire from the world. They sort of yeah. like, okay, I don't want to face anything. Yeah. But when you've got kids involved, you can't always mm-hmm. you can't always do that. So how do you sort of separate what your emotions are and what your child's emotions will be? And I think there's a there's a real middle answer to this question. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you as a parent are kind of having breakdowns every single day and, yeah. you know, rocking in the corners, kind of screaming, you know, <laughs> moments then, you know, you maybe the kids don't need to see that all the time. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I feel there's a real fear of emotions and our children learn about emotional regulation from watching their parents. Mm-hmm. So I never blocked emotions, mm-hmm. but I definitely, when I had to do my parenting and when people need to do their parenting, it, it's like going to work. You've got to put that, that hat on, you know, yep. during that time. And if during that time you're cooking, you know, a, a pasta dish and something, you, you go and get that fourth plate out and you remember that, oh, no, there's only three at the moment and you have a little bit of a tear, mm-hmm. you don't have to rush off and, you know, hide that from your kids. And if they look up and they go, oh, mum, you know, are you a bit sad? You can go, oh, yeah, I'm just a little bit sad. You know, that's okay. I'm just feeling a little bit sad because, you know, I'm also missing your dad or, you know, expressing your emotions in those those sort of times is positive for the kids to see. Yeah. But you also have to do the parenting and you've got to be there to check in on them. And we all know that friend who, you know, checks in on us but makes it about them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't don't, don't be that parent. Um, So I find it's Mm -hmm. it's finding your space as a parent of when you allow yourself to break down. Mm -hmm. So if that means you've got to suck it up as best as you can until 7.30, 8 o'clock and come bedtime, you need to then go and, you know, scream into a pillow or I love the hot shower thing, yeah. just sit in the hot shower and just cry your little eyes out until yeah. you need to go to sleep, then that's what you need to do, mm-hmm. right? It, it's called it kind of, I get clients to schedule in their kind of, we used to call it worry time for anxiety yeah. and with separation and grief, it's like your grief time. Schedule in the time you're basically going to lose your shit, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> And, um, and, and yeah. that will help you release it because it's got to come out mm-hmm. and that will give you some energy and some power to be able to parent and check in on your kids and have some energy for them as well. Yeah. But it's a really, like, it, it's tough. You know, I talk and I say this as a psychologist and I say this as someone who most of the times in my life practices what I preach as well, mm-hmm. to have energy and space when things don't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't do that. So they're starting this off. On, on the, you know, off, off yeah. foot anyway. Yeah. So I think, again, just try your best. <laughs> it's yeah. about being kind mm-hmm. and trying your best. And then it's reaching out for supports if you feel like you're not coping yeah. and you are crying too much and it is starting to affect your kids. Yeah. But really, I mean, it's all right if your kids come up and say, hey, mummy, you're a little bit sad, you need a hug. 
But if your kids start trying to manage your world and look after the household and take over, yep. then you might need to get some extra help because you're not coping and you are they're doing a job that they don't need to be doing as well. Yeah. So also like when it affects, I mean, you've seen it indirectly affect kids in a way that uh, it shows later on in life that they're sort of, their understanding of relationships mm-hmm. is very, very much affected. How, is there a way that you can stop them from being sort of seeing relationships negatively? Or is it just something that is completely on them to sort of discover themselves? No, I think if you have the conversations with them, you definitely can change that. I guess mm-hmm. that's that's almost like you're yeah, changing the cycle, right? Yeah. Um, there was there was clients that said after I went through a divorce a long time ago, 15 odd years ago, and they said, oh, you'll never do that again, will you? Gosh. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you know, dating someone now and, yeah. and very happy. And you could just see that look of like, why would you, you know, go through this again? And, mm-hmm. and you know, what would you – and what do your kids sort of say? And, and I said to them even about the kids – I want my children in the future to see that this can be positive as well. So I think yeah. it's 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 a little bit of that. It's all entangled a little bit. If if you want to have a relationship in your future mm-hmm. and then the kids are going to see that, then it's okay to say to them, you know, like your mum and dad didn't work out for whatever reasons, but look, relationships can be still really, really positive. Yeah. And I think for a lot of our relationships, especially, you know, people who – a kind of, you know, my age, you know, a lot of us still were getting married and finding people, you know, in our early 20s. Yeah. And we just don't really know each other ourselves <laughs> at that point. Yeah. I remember saying to my eldest daughter who's 19 now on her 18th birthday. Yeah. And and I was it wasn't a dig, it was just to try and give her some perspective. <laughs> and I said to her, "Oh, how, how you going, hun?" And she's like, "Yeah, good." And I said, "Um, feel like you could make some major life decisions right about now? And she she said, no. I said, so this is when I met your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and not in a bad way, yeah. just in a, I was 18 once like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that sometimes when we make decisions at certain points of our life, they're bad decisions. They just might not be the decisions for later on in life. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's, you can talk to your kids about that. You can just say, you know, it's okay that this didn't work out. It's, it's horrible for you guys. Yeah. But, you know, you can be happy and there are good relationships out there. Yeah. And not turn into the man haters, the female haters. Don't tarnish everyone with those brushes because yep. you can go on to still be very, very happy and the kids can see that and they can have happy relationships after. Yep. Not all kids of divorce end up having to get divorced themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're talking about earlier the challenges in divorce. What are some of the biggest obstacles that divorced families had to bounce back mm-hmm. from in order to sort of keep that happy family life that we've defined earlier? Yeah. Look, probably one of the ones you said before is is, is the biggest, the financial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, these days as well, even though it's a lot of two-family, working family kind yep. of unit, we do know that most of us are kind of just, you know, week to week. There's not a lot of us anymore that have, you know, a lot of extra money in the in the bank. So mm-hmm. if you kind of thought of right now, you know, how to divide your what you have in your life and divide that by half and still be able to have a life, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it gets really scary for yep. a lot of people. And the fear of that as well with the children is is not being able to maintain a lifestyle that, you know, they created for the kids as well. Yeah. So are the kids still going to be able to go to the private school that you both, you know, wanted them to go to and what happens for holidays and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's probably the biggest stressor that is instantaneous. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then after that, we really struggle. A lot of families really do struggle then with the kids kind of scheduling, you know, um, kids, the old custody. You yep. know, now we sort of say time with each parent. We try and get away from the words of custody, but basically what we're talking about. Um, that's the next kind of biggest discussion yep. and really hard for people to know what's going to work best for the kids because it's so different for their ages. It's so different developmentally and yep. no family's the same, you know, of what works for them. So they're your top two that okay. cause a lot of stress. Yeah. Yep. So with the, like, especially we're talking about the football games and things like that, mm-hmm. how do you sort of manage that with like both parents cheering the kid on you still mm-hmm. want to be there for the child but I mean you're going through that stage where you're just like yep. you hate the other person mm-hmm. or you can't stand the other person yeah how do you still manage that family unit in a way yeah so again initially it's about what do you need okay and for families sometimes to initially say this is my weekend with the kids mm-hmm. and I just want to go to the sports with the kids I I can't handle you there rightly or wrongly it's just the moment of time right now yeah I need my space. Could you please just take them on your weekend? That's our, That would be your platinum model, right, mm-hmm. of being able to communicate and say, this is what I need. It might not be forever, but can we just do this individually for yep. a couple of months? And that would help people, as I spoke about before, kind of get through that grief and loss cycle a little mm-hmm. bit easier. If you've got the p- parents that are like, no, we both actually want to be there, then again, it's setting your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to stand next to each other, like that's actually okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's communicating that with the kids. You know, mum or dad or the other person's going to be at your game today. Um, we're just going to kind of hang out in the car, but they're going to be, I think, over at the canteen. Feel free to run between the both of us. Yep. The main thing in separation and divorce is what we don't want is we don't ever want the child standing next to a parent at a football match, knowing that there are other ones over at the canteen and feeling like they can't naturally just kind of flow between the two and say hello to each parent. Okay. If you're noticing those things are going on, Mm -hmm. then you two are doing something, whether it's just an energy, a behavior, or the kids are getting more involved in the conflict and you need to put a stop to that and get that sorted straight away. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. So going into the next sort of section of our conversation, I'm just talking about the practice and and habits that you develop. Mm -hmm. So what is a practice that you do to improve the communication in between partners? So initially I get a lot of people and it almost, this goes against everything that we're probably taught as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the phone call isn't the best thing at the start with separated, you know, couples and parents. Yeah. So sometimes the um, parenting apps, there's a lot of really, really good parenting apps out there these days that just monitor it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe if there's some language that's not great, they kind of delete that. Um, but texting and just sending emails, I find at the start is just a nicer way than maybe picking up the phone to actually talk about, hey, you know, the football game's been moved from, you know, 6 to whatever, 6pm 6 till 5pm. Yep. And oh, while I've got you, mm-hmm. um, we still haven't signed those documents on this or what's happening with the car, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of information that has to be dealt with, as we said before, but sometimes you can't do that and you won't have that moment or that energy to do it. So yep. it's okay to say for those few months or even for quite a while, I'm going to text this information over to you. Can we just communicate over text and emails to try and actually take the emotion out? Yep. <laughs> even though usually we think that can put emotion in, sometimes it can take the emotion out. Okay. And then it's also timing. 
So when you end a relationship, as much as you're happy to be out of it, there's mm-hmm. still this weird, bizarre thing that we feel like our ex-person still has to be available to us instantaneously. Yep. Okay. So for a lot of couples, I get them to set times that they do answer, unless they're emergencies, um, mm-hmm. answer texts and emails mm-hmm. and starting to get out of that habit of it might be daily or within a couple of minutes you're responding to your person yep. or the ex-person, right? Yeah, yeah. And that can be really frustrating for the person on the other end. So mm-hmm. it's learning some really um, boundaries and communication skills at the start and having that conversation with each other to yep. say, I'm not being horrible, I'm not ignoring you, um, but I, I, I don't need to answer you straight away. I look at my emails, I look at my texts about this, you know, twice a week at this time and I'll get everything back to you at that point. But really clear, you need to be really clear of what you need in these early stages. Yeah, for sure. I mean, talking about just the communication, like you, that person used to be your person who Mm -hmm. used to reply like every five seconds or like straight away. So going straight into that, okay, it's taking a step back. I mean, you're not only, but there's still stuff that you have to communicate. So unfortunately, you can't ignore everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, So what are some challenges, some other challenges that sort of occur when, you try to communicate? Um, it's Normally it's just the emotions coming through, yep. like if anything. And and oh, oh, and probably, again, maybe what I touched on before is different ways of doing things. Okay, yeah. So if you say something to me and I need to, you know, get something for book week and I've decided that, you know, the twins are going to go as whatever mm-hmm. and that wasn't in your plan, then how are we okay with people changing the script? Yep. Because that's going to happen in communication. And then now that we're not together you're going to fire something back to me because I've changed the plan. And guess what I'm going to do with that little message in that phone? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to respond to you. I'm going to put it down and I'm going to do what I want. Yep. And I think that's another big challenge is what can I do in situations that are now completely out of my control mm-hmm. <laughs> to let yep. our ex kind of get on with their life and do things that we might not have thought should have happened. The good yep. old shoulds and coulds, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's um, a huge challenge for people as well. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think sort of the communication impacts the family and sort of the perception mm-hmm. of life that you've used to hold? Yeah. So it's really, really important. And for the kids, they need to see this. And you can have the littlest angels out there, but I promise you, if they get a sniff that they can manipulate this situation for mm-hmm. their own benefit, I don't care how good your kids <laughs> you think your kids are, yeah. they're going to use that. And the best way around that is even in these early stages is them seeing, you know, their parents Mm -hmm. communicating, even if it is just through text. Yeah. So a lot of the times we're getting parents to check in on those sort of things, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, okay. Oh, there's something happening at school. Oh, does dad know about that? Oh, let's just send him a text so he's aware of it so he can come or or whatever or, um, you know, oh, you've got that party on the weekend. Okay, I'm going to let dad know that, yeah, that party goes till nine and so he'll have to pick you up at, you know, whatever, 9.30 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful for them to see the communication and to still see their people and their hierarchy because this is the top of their kind of, you know, world, right, the parents. Yeah, yeah. Still communicating because that means that they still care and they still can work together for them and mm-hmm. they've got their back. Mm-hmm. So if anything, even if it's the worst separation and divorce in the world, if you can find little nuggets that you can just be texting purely about the kids and an activity just so the kids can see, oh, I'm just going to check with mum on that. I'm just going to check with dad on that. Very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. So what other practice do you recommend doing 
in partnership with communication that mm-hmm. can sort of help the life between the two different partners. So individually, I think you've just got to you've got to do your own mental health work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, individually, I think you've got to you know, see, do I know who I am now as an individual? Mm-hmm. Um, if I wanted to make those changes, you know, in life to the bed linen or whatever, go and do it. Like get that, get your own kind of individual back, go and talk to psychologists if you need to, if you're really lost. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing as a psychologist is we're all about what I call like the mental health or the emotional hub, you know, system. Mm-hmm. And if you were going through, say, something as traumatic as this with another body part, yeah. like this would look really bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was like a heart problem or a lung problem or yeah. you'd go to your specialist and they'd be going, oh, my God, like oh, your system's about to explode. <laughs> but unfortunately with our mental health system, it's energy-based and we can't see it. Yeah. So if you come to me as a client, I can't put up on the wall your mental health hub and see that it's about to explode. Mm -hmm. So this is one of, again, one of the big problems that we have. So individually, you need to be aware of that and you need to be aware that you've got your own emotional hub kind of about to explode and your ex-partner's got theirs as well. Mm -hmm. It's not your job anymore to look after them or to be their person or to care for them. But you've got to understand that you both are not okay, even if you look at. Yeah. So I think the communication and, again, just validating Mm -hmm. each other and validating each other's process. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone starts dating a little bit sooner, it's not now that, oh, my God, you're just horrible and you never loved me. Mm -hmm. They might just need that in their life. So it's validating that. Okay, well, that's not as quick as I would have done it. But if that's what you're choosing to do, then that's okay. You're an adult. You get to make your decisions and, you know, that's great that you're happy. Mm -hmm. It's communication and validation and then self-care. Okay. Mm. So taking that time how do you, would you separate the lifestyle that you have as a individual and the lifestyle that you hold as a parent? Or should you, should you be completely transparent with your kids and be like, this is my life. This is what I do. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So I, again, everyone might be a bit different on this. I'm a little bit of a no on this. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my kids even on my Facebook or my Instagram until they were adults. Yeah. Um, and not to hide anything, I'm still a bit of a believer in the hierarchy of the family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're adults. And as much as, you know, it's nice as an adult to know about maybe what's going on in your family unit and maybe with your parents and, you know, what your grandparents got up to, kids just don't need that. They need to be kids and they still need to be under that hierarchy Mm -hmm. because, again, they will manipulate and they will take over, especially these generations coming through. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's really important that you're both on that same page. Mm -hmm. In terms of talking to them about what you're up to in your personal life, then no, unless it's at that point that we talked about before that maybe this new person or this relationship is going to start meeting them, Mm -hmm. um, then no, you get to have your personal life and you don't have to explain that to your children. If there's a difficult situation and maybe there is some questioning or manipulation on the other side Mm -hmm. and it's not a perfect separation. Yep that pressure will come, right? The other parent will start saying, what's this parent up to, you know? And those kids will want information. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people will give it to them thinking they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Again, it's okay to say to kids, that's actually got nothing to do with you. And I'm not having this conversation with you. Mm -hmm. You are a child. I'm the parent and I'm the adult. And I am actually, I don't have to get your permission for what I do in life right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. If yep. you're obviously out all night and you can't, you know, or a long lunch and you keep on forgetting to pick them up from school, <laughs> then again, maybe we've got an issue Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that the other side can kind of get involved in. And then maybe the kids have got the right for some information, mm-hmm. but no, in general, be an adult, yep. have your private life yep. and remember your kids are your kids. Yeah. I often get people to think of them like three and five, even if they're like, you know, 12 or 15. Yeah. And just sort of say to them, what information would you have given your kids at three and five? It doesn't really change much. No. Right? Yeah. So think of them still little and go with that. Yeah. So Mm. how would, would that affect them when they're a little bit older and they're sort of like what in their 20s or Mm -hmm. things like that? Is it a different conversation then? Because they're a bit more aware of... Oh, my gosh, Life. my 20. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who listens. It was a client that came in in their 20s for separations. They're worse. Wow, okay. So people who come in for parents who are separated when they're older, like yep. in their 20s, I've even had some in my in their 30s. Okay. They're rocking on my couch, like not coping at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so little kids rock. <laughs> they do it a lot better. Um what happens is we're creatures of habit, right? Yeah. We get used to what we're used to and we don't like change. Yeah. Yep. So that happens to our lives. Like I can't, my parents have been together now like 40, 43, no, 45 years. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, <laughs> if, if they told me right now that they were getting a divorce, I'd probably, you know, like, oh, said, no, you're not. Yeah. Like we don't adapt when we're older because that's what our life looks like. And we've had so many years of it looking that way. Yeah. When kids are littler, they've got more opportunities in their brain and in their brain development to adjust to changes. Yeah, yeah. And one of those ages, and again, not not quoting the exact age probably, but is around that 8 to 10. Yeah. That's where kids have that first developmental stage of locking what they want in. Yeah. And another one happens when they're kind of in their teenage years. So the old-fashioned approach we had of stay together for the kids, it's better for them. Yeah. Doesn't work like that. No. <laughs> if this isn't a good relationship, realistically, you need to sort this out before they go through their this is my world and this is what I want it to look like stages. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So why do you think they're worse then? Is it is it just sort of like other than them being comfortable where they are? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it more so about like you've lied to me this entire time. This is not what a relationship looks like now. (laughs) No, I haven't really had them do that. I think they just get so irritated that their life has to change. It's like, but what do you mean now? I've got to go and see parents in different houses. Like it seems like it's very much more of that entitledness. Like I don't want my life to change more so than anything like you've ruined what relationships look like for me. Um, Some, I guess, can kind of go, I thought you were happy. Yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. you weren't. But, again, most kids will know if it's an unhappy relationship. Yeah. You know, the worst relationships I'll actually ever see in people after and not not after divorce, just in general, people, if they come in for relationship issues, mm-hmm. um, are the ones who say, obviously, there was abuse in the family. Obviously, that's never okay. Yeah. Or the ones who say, my parents never fought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because you go, well... They were either then very passive yeah. and they held it all in and you've got really, really poor communication and emotional regulation skills yeah. um, or it was all, yeah, just done behind doors and just so just, yeah, not seeing yeah. anything can yeah. actually be oh, my God. worst clients to help through those times of their own relationships. That is that that is crazy. <laughs> just like the whole idea. I mean, if yeah. my parents came up to me now and be like, oh, yeah, we're not together anymore, like, wait, what? Yeah, see, you wouldn't cope very well, yeah. right? <laughs> so my little kids will come in and... And I think, again, what we, we get a bit more permission maybe as a, as a young child 
to mm-hmm. feel emotions. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody dies, we've got the right to cry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody divorces and you're little, it's like, oh, my gosh, you poor thing. Your parents aren't together anymore. What do you need? If you're 20, 30, 40 and you're like going to your friends, oh, my parents are separating, I don't think many of them are going to be like, oh, my gosh, you poor thing. What yeah. do you need? They're going to be like, I also have been separated for 25. Yeah, it's kind of expected whatever. now. I'm surprised it's yeah. together. <laughs> you don't even see them. You see them once a month. Yeah, what's, exactly. What's your problem? Yeah. So I think that's probably it as well. I yeah. think you, we don't have the permission mm-hmm. to have the big emotions yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we get older yeah. as we're kind of allowed to have when we're younger. Yeah. Yeah, so we might hold it all in and then our world's still crashing around us but we can't get validated for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think my thought would be like what about the family dinners and like yeah. having dinner every Sunday or something, mm-hmm. me coming home, like what do I do? Yep, yep. Oh and I gosh. think as we get older as well, the idea then of our parents with somebody else yeah, no. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm like, you're single forever. I don't care what That's you it. do. Yep. Yep. So we're not very adaptable. No. no. I think we get worse as we get older now. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, that put a very weird image in my head now. <laughs> Calling your parents after this, aren't you? You're like, you're so fine, right? <laughs> like emotional check-in. Yeah. Um, so going into a bit more questions from audiences. Mm-hmm. So we've got a list of questions and they're quite a bit. Okay. So we're gonna... Oh, God. Um, so how do we keep a close bond with our parents after they've sort of separated or gone through the process of divorce? Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't yell at them. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, okay, this is where I was really talking a lot about the separation of your stuff and, you know, your kids stuff. Yeah. If you intertwine your children, even if they're adult children, into your separation and your divorce, mm-hmm. then regaining that hierarchy is really difficult later on. Yeah. So to have a relationship with your parents if they've gone through a divorce is understanding that that's their process. That's actually, you you get some consequences of it and I'm not minimising mm-hmm. those at all, but you just get consequences. This actually isn't about you mm-hmm. and it's, it's not your life journey. That's not your life path with relationships. Something happened to your parents and it's finding that difference and that balance of I still get to be the kid no matter what age I am and Mm -hmm. I still get to be demanding and still want them to do dinners and still wash my clothes and still give me money if I want to. Your relationship does not have to change. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times when it does change, it's because us then as maybe the kids of the divorce or the separation or whatever, are overthinking it and they're putting their own beliefs and, and structures and thoughts onto maybe situations that aren't actually happening. So yep. so check it and just kind of go, I can still be the kid. It's not my it's not my drama. It's not my battle. It's not my fight. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. if you can separate from it, you can go on and have a good relationship. If you've been entwined a little bit, then it's about then just kind of drawing that line in the sand and mm-hmm. saying to, to the parents, okay, this is what I want now from our relationships. I'm yeah. done with that. I need to go back to now just being the kid yeah. and being demanding mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear any more about the other parent or the divorce or who gets what or where the couch went. Yeah. They're my rules. Yeah. Yeah. How do you have like, I mean, it's going to be hard when you have that, you have a closer bond with one parent mm-hmm. than the other. Mm-hmm. So your communication with one parent is going to be very different mm-hmm. to how it is with the other parent yeah. or you're going to be open to talking about something. How does that other parent not feel left out or like they'll yep. be like okay so why do you like this one more than me like what did I do so a lot of what you've just done though just even with that is you're overthinking you're overthinking uh-huh. a script that you think it needs to look a certain way yeah 
I've now, let's just say we've got mum and dad and now I was always closer maybe to, you know, mum and they're separated. Oh no, now dad's going to feel like I'm not talking to him as much, but you never really did. Yeah. So just keeping it simple yeah, okay. and keeping it the same as normally what we need to do. Yeah. It's when you now try and have these, oh, hey, dad, let's have a deeper meaningful. He's looking at you like we've never done this before. Yeah. So you might have to put a bit more effort in to kind of go with the parent I wasn't as close to, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times just do stuff with them, like get out and actually do things like yep. activities instead mm-hmm. of let's sit down and, you know, have a conversation. Yeah. But don't overthink it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, what are some communication strategies to sort of break the stiffness between us and our divorced parents? Um, well, look, the elephant in the room is a big one. So I think it's if you've got something you want to say, just mm-hmm. say it. Mm-hmm. And then if we get all of that out, if you've got a close relationship, then if you get all of that out, it goes back to normal, yep. you know, pretty fast. If there's uncomfortableness, you're avoiding a topic. So figure out what that topic is and just get it on the table, speak it out and then leave it. Mm-hmm. It'll get back to normal then. Okay. Yeah. So you sort of be the media mediator, but don't be the mediator. At the yeah. Same just time. for those topics. And if it's about you just saying, I just need to say this, mm-hmm. it's still very different even as the adult child or as a child saying, I'm feeling uncomfortable because this is weird. It's weird being in a new room with you or in a new house with you. Yeah. It doesn't give the other parent permission to go, yeah, I know. And I really wanted to be able to keep that house for you, but your mum got ill. It's not about that. It's being yep. able to have, again, very clear boundaries of just sometimes going, wow, this is weird kind of having a coffee in this in the new house. Hey, mum. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is weird. Cool. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. So it's it's just expressing and then not getting on Putting to normal. that other person yeah. in And again, acknowledging it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, like so much pressure for it to be normal too quickly. Mm-hmm. It is going to be awkward. It is going to be different. Everyone's still going to be sad, you know, yeah. and just kind of going with that. You yeah. know, the first Christmas that you don't all spend together, you're allowed to at the start say, this is a bit shitty yeah. and I'm a bit sad about this and have your little emotional time and then you get on with it. Yeah. So it's, it's finding the balance of also being okay not to be okay straight away. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have some tips for children whose parents are divorced and might have trauma for having a new family mm-hmm. currently? Yeah. So they're like the blended family? Yeah. Yeah. So usually, yeah, it's a hard one. A lot of the times they can, they'll be talking to somebody. Okay. So kids will always want to talk to somebody and they'll mm-hmm. want to release their emotions. Usually they haven't got as bad as we are as adults yet and holding it all in. Yeah. So if there's that blended family kind of unit and you are just even noticing that maybe they're a little bit quieter or they're not speaking out, mm-hmm. then you need to be checking in with um, potentially even their friends' parents to see. I mean, it's great these days with all the kids who are on like messenger kids and stuff. So you can yeah. have a bit of a, a check to see are they talking to somebody as well. Yeah. Check with their teachers because a lot of the time, especially our younger kids, mm-hmm. even in daycare, kindergarten and, and the early years, foundation years of, of primary school, um, <laughs> those teachers hear everything. <laughs> They're like gossip queens. Oh, my God. <laughs> Podcast with them. What's <laughs> every secret a kid's ever told you about the family unit? We'll all be sitting there cringy attack. going, don't, <laughs> don't talk about my house. Um, so, yeah, checking in with, with the um, teacher because yeah. I think they will be, yeah, your real hands on ground. What's different about my kid? Do you think they're coping? What are they saying? Yeah. And then if you still think they're struggling, you've got to reach out to 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 us, the supports, right? Yeah. We deal with this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's we get information about everything. We Google everything, yet we go through a really major life change. And what are we still scared to kind of reach out to an expert in that field, to have a couple of sessions to make sure we're doing it right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, like yeah. you're about to blend your family or you've blended your family and you're noticing some of the kids aren't, aren't coping well, come and see an expert in that as yep. the parents to get some tips and strategies and then they can talk to the kids and they can get that information back to you. Mm -hmm. We've got really good ways of playing, you know, and and getting the good information out of your kids, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like paint a picture of what you think this feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you do get those moments wrong, you know, they do go on to really affect everybody. I've I've got clients whose families didn't blend well at the start Mm -hmm. that they ended up, you know, having to separate, even though they were in a really good relationship, just because the blending of the kids or blending of the family unit didn't go well, you know, they're not together anymore. Mm. So, you know, give it a bit of effort and attention and it will be okay. Mm -hmm. Think it's all just going to be beautiful and Brady Bunch, then you're in for a bit of a shock. (laughs) Brady Bunch was the definition of a, um, this is not reality kind of family. Yeah. 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 And yeah, perfect, but it takes time, you yeah. know, and that's okay. Again, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. It it's, yeah. it's big adaptions and change for all of us. We don't like change. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is some advice for children whose parents are divorced and might feel guilty towards the, the parents' separation? Yeah, guilt, <laughs> guilt is any of my clients that listen. Guilt's the one emotion I actually don't let people own. <laughs> I'm all about emotions and the guilt one I hate because yeah. I'm like, do it or don't do it. Um so if they're feeling guilty, so if they're feeling like it was their fault, if yeah. they're feeling, okay. Yeah. Uh, so again, they're going to come up with everything and what we do as parents and as people is we dismiss it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, I did this because I, you know, didn't do the dishwasher or it's because I've been naughty. That's a thought they're having. Yeah. And the weirdest thing you've got to do as a parent is if you say, no, 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 that's not true, you've dismissed the thought. Yeah. When we hear that's not true, we actually get stronger in that thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're just saying that to me because you just don't want me to tell the truth, blah, 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 blah. Oh, tell me the truth. And it definitely was because I didn't do the dishwasher. Like that thought will loop yep. and get worse. Yeah. So if a child's coming to you with their thoughts, you actually have to listen to them and you have to say, okay, well, tell me how you feel. Well, I think that this happened because I didn't empty the dishwasher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Like you're allowed to have that thought. Yeah. You know, there probably was some times that you didn't empty the dishwasher that we both got frustrated with you. Yeah. Um, can I let you know though? that that's not why mum and dad aren't together. Yep. So I know you've got that thought and I'm not going to dismiss that thought or that feeling. I'm mm-hmm. going to let you have that moment, but now I'm going to just give you some child-appropriate information of it wasn't actually to do with the dishwasher. Yeah. But I can understand that you're thinking about all of that. Is there other things that you've thought about that might have caused this as well? Let's get them all out on the table, mm-hmm. right? So it's letting your kid just go verbal diarrhoea yep. and so then you can validate them and then you can clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you don't let them do it and you block them, they will believe those thoughts that they're having because we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just you, that no thought. You dismiss yeah. the thought that I'm having right now. Yeah. I, you. I promise you, it will get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, don't reply with the no, no, that's not it. Yeah. Don't try and fix it. Mm-hmm. Let them speak. Let them have their feelings. Let them have their thoughts, and then you can you can delicately d- correct. Yep. Their thoughts. Yeah. Without dismissing their thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how to communicate to children that they will only live with one of the parents? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, look, this is where I think they've tried to take the, the wording away, right? So it's now time with each parent. I try mm-hmm. very much to use the, it's not like mum's house or dad's house. I try and say your house with, your house with mum, your house with dad, your house, you know, in Hawthorne, your house in Kew. Like it's yep. just trying to use language that still gives them ownership but again, ultimately, they're about to miss out on time 
even if it's a 50-50 schedule. They're about mm-hmm. to miss out on half time with dad and half time with mum or, or yep. both parents, whatever genders their parents are, um, and that's going to be upsetting to them. Yep. So we've got to don't make it about but you get two rooms and you get two Christmases and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You get to sit in this and just say to kids, you know, this will be sad. You will miss mum. You will miss dad. You will miss the other parent. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do in those times that you actually miss them? Yep. And in this modern day now with FaceTime and video calls and, you know, everything, mm-hmm. really, really amazing. We've got to use that technology. So just because a child's over at, say, maybe, you know, mum's home mm-hmm. and he's missing the other parent doesn't mean that they don't want to be with mom doesn't mean it be that they don't love mom. It's just they're missing that other parent and their little grief and loss system is activated to say this doesn't feel right. Yeah. So if that parent can then just go, okay, what do you need? I just need to call them and see them. That's mm-hmm. fine. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Instead as a parent, it's like I need to fix this and you should be happy because you're here and I'm just as good as the other parent and why yeah. are you missing them and everything's okay, you know you'll see them tomorrow kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. dump all of that and just go, yep, of course you're missing them. That's normal. And how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. How similar to that one, how would it be if you have to tell your child that the other parent is no longer in their life at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they won't see them potentially? No. Yeah. 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 Look, again, it's going to be age appropriate information, obviously, depending on the ages that we're talking about here. And then it's going to be that sort of situation you need supports, Mm -hmm. you know. So any child who's going to go through a scenario, which is basically like a death scenario, you know, if that person, they're not going to see them again or or they're, yep, then it would be really letting them sit in the emotions. And I feel like if a parent's going through that, their own process of why that time will now never occur again would be pretty Mm -hmm. dramatic. Yeah. So they're going to have to be a superhero to have the emotional ability to look after themselves in that moment and also their child. Mm -hmm. So I really would be outsourcing that one. I'd be talking to a professional of how to give that information to the child Mm -hmm. and I'd have those supports ready to like just for both of them just to kind of really support them and hold them up in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Then if the child, after they've got all the support and they know all that information, they'll know then how to validate the child, how to still, you know, sit with them in the grief and loss Um, and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I've got a little kid at the moment that's in a very similar situation from a a pretty heavy violence, so won't be seeing their parent again. Mm -hmm. And the mum's doing brilliantly, but this little kid sometimes just has to come into the professional still to go, I'm just really sad I don't get to see dad. And I'm not the other parent, right? So Mm -hmm. I get to say, yep, that's okay, you're allowed to be sad. Yeah, that's right. Of course you miss him. Yeah. Whereas for mum to say that, she's saying it as best as she can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she's still angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I want to punch a wall, but yeah, no, I'm good. so reach out, yeah. get help in those okay. really hard ones. Like just get help. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. That's all right. And join you. That was such a, it's so enlightening to sort of talk about these kind of topics that you don't hear about so mm. much. Like it's not mainstream enough that it's like, regular thing to talk about which people say is a good thing but like (laughs) I'm like you still need the information on it so yeah I want to thank you so much for joining that's right me and talking about this and um I hope if anyone who is needing any support from Donna is there a way that anyone can get in touch with you? Yep. So we're we're of the couch therapy. I thought that mm-hmm. was a good business name back a long time ago. So yep. yeah, our website www.thecouch.biz. You can find all of our info and we're on all the socials. So you can find me. I'm out there, Perfect. out and about. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, mm-hmm. and definitely um, reach out to Donna if you're wanting any further 
help or consultation? And is there um, consultations mm-hmm. or yep. things that you do? Yeah. Yeah. So we work obviously still in this field, and like I said, I still work in the in the mental health psychology field. Sort of, you know, a few three four days a week, and then mm-hmm. I have my specialty in the divorce kind of system a couple of days a week. But it's all on the website. So yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you on the next episode. All right. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to All Together, the Family Science Insights podcast, produced by Family Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at fa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.